0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE.
1: Welcome to the Flying Solo podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. If you're working solo or have dreams of starting up, you'll find support, inspiration and advice at Australia's largest and liveliest small business community. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. Here's your host, Robert Gerrish.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Flying Solo podcast. My guest today is the woman previously known throughout the 90s as Ms. Megabyte. In this tech superhero role, Yvonne Adele, for that's her real name, wrote a number of best-selling books, was the IT reporter for the Today Show, and a columnist for Women's Day and Women's Weekly. She was everywhere. Well, she still is, but these days she's best known as a speaker and MC, and helps others excel in front of audiences. Uh, I had the pleasure of bumping into Adele again recently at a major event in Melbourne, Where she did a truly outstanding job in front of a demanding small business crowd. Yvonne, thanks so much for sharing your time with the Flying Solo community.
2: Absolutely, my pleasure. Thank you.
0: Good. Well, look, so speaking, 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 hey, let's, how do you, you know, how do you speak like a pro? Let's find out. And I guess perhaps the place to start is, you know, why should we give it down? Why should we want to speak? What's the benefit?
2: yeah it's interesting isn't it it always sort of um, gives me a little bit of a, a giggle and and I feel sad when people say that it's like the number one most feared thing on earth you know, yes. <laughs> public speaking so uh, you know small business owners especially need to be able to be comfortable with speaking and sometimes you might just you work inside a business where you have to do a presentation to a group of four people in a boardroom. That can fill people with fear.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, working inside an organisation is one um, need to speak. Mm. Another one is if you are obviously running your own business and you need to use speaking as a marketing tool. So you might need to speak at networking events or be the subject matter expert on a panel at an event, an industry event, for example. So what you're doing there is demonstrating your expertise and being useful and helpful and valid and relevant um, you know so that you will be the one that is thought of when somebody needs your product or service and then you know the other reason to speak is if speaking is your career like it is mine mm. that's the way that you make your income you are you know say maybe a thought leader in your particular area of expertise and you will get asked to speak on, on a on an agenda at a conference for example.
0: Yeah and, look, and there you are as, you, as indeed you were last week when I saw you in front of you know, five or six hundred of, uh, of your ideal clients, which is you know, a yeah. pre- pretty fine place <laughs> to be. So tell me, though, was was there a time when Yvonne Nadell didn't enjoy speaking?
2: Yeah, it's funny. I think, look, there are some crazy freaks of nature like me <laughs> yeah. who would just be able to get up in front of 10,000 people with a minute's notice and just be completely fine with it. Look, I, you know, everyone's and you are good that at something. Person, and is that right? I, I'm good at that. that. That's my thing, you know, but I'm no good at gardening or cooking or, <laughs> like, you know, getting things done, <laughs> you know, right. that sort of thing. But, you know, I, I have to say that, yes, there are times when I feel nerves and there were more times – early on. So 20, this is my 21st year of speaking. Mm. It, it, it wasn't something that I set out to do because I, what I did set out to do was to be, to be on television, helping people with technology. That was my main thing. I've been a tech head all my life, right from the Vic 20 and the Commodore 64, you know, (laughs) days. And, um, so when I, when I eventually convinced the TV networks to have a technology segment and the magazines to have a technology article or page, then what happened was people would ask me to come and speak at their events because they were like, "Oh, we sure, want that colourful person." Yep. Yeah, exactly. So then I'd say, "Oh, okay, great. I'm going to get my, you know, get this help out to more people. I'm um, fine. I'll go and stand on a stage." And then they said, "Right, there's a stage, there's a microphone, and we're going to pay you." And I, oh, "What? You what now? <laughs> like, wow, that's a whole new world. I never really." Um, knew about Mm. so yeah that and that was 21 years ago so it was just a natural extension of the the message that I was trying to give at the time
0: sure and look and I know that you know as you say the the thing that that often stops people is uh, our nerves and I know that you've kindly put together a, um, a report that you'll share a bit later that some tips on absolutely how to banish nerves so let's for a moment for people listening let's you know anyone who's listening who's thinking oh my goodness you know i've got so many nerves it's not going to work for me well rest assured that you're going to get a report at the end of this that will do an awful lot to banish those nerves so let's uh, let's put the nerves to one side and say okay so what else as a as a kind of a a business owner as as a subject matter expert what else do we need to be thinking about if we're going to succeed at speaking whether it's a a whole new business or perhaps starting off it might be much more what you said at the outset where it's just being known and um, and raising your profile where do we start
2: well the first place to start this is where um, the people who are actually suffering nerves or the people who are struggling with the with confidence around the area of speaking have have skipped this step and the step is that it's about the audience mm. you know and in fact I, I should have mentioned before when I said I do at, at those any times where I feel that I um, am losing my confidence, either just before I get on stage or um, when I'm on stage, it's mm. because I'm, I forget it's not about me. It's actually about the audience. And so when you're, um, when you're thinking about that, why should I speak and what should I speak about thing, again, it's about the audience. Now, every single one of mm. us, every single person who's listening is an expert in their area of expertise. So the important thing is to understand that you as the expert are a vehicle for the message that your audience really needs to hear. They're not the expert and, and you've been put on that stage or you've been given this opportunity to speak or be on a webinar or whatever it is, a podcast. You've been given the opportunity by somebody who chose you to be the guest that time or the speaker. So you've already earned the right to be there. Hmm. So that it, when people actually you know, start to get into the mindset of, I have already ticked that box, I've earned the right to be here, because I'm on the program already. Now, what is the message that this audience needs from me? Yeah,
0: that's great. So that I can imagine that does have a, a sort of profound impact on how you feel, because immediately it 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 puts one major voice in your head, you know, to sleep, because you deserve to be here. So now, what is it that you can give to your audience? So yeah. But, so that that's leads it. on, I guess, to. Uh, you know, to, to being clear, what, what's the kind of content to someone who's thinking, well, yeah, okay, I know about some stuff, and I kind of want to do this, but I really don't know what to speak about. You know, yeah. how, you must get a lot of people like that. What do you say to them?
2: Yeah, so well, well, there's two ways to look at it. Firstly, let's say that you haven't been asked to speak by somebody, but you know, you've got a talk to give. So you've got to start marketing a talk that nobody knows about yet. Okay. In that instance, it's simply asking yourself, what is the most common thing? people come to me for? Hmm. What is the most, most common question people ask me? And then once you've answered that, I'd go again and again. So now you've got three most common things that people ask you about. And this is in the sort of area of crafting your talk. So don't start trying to give it a name and wonder about how you're going to perform and how many comedy bits you're going to put in there if <laughs> any. It's really about coming up with, if I said to you, you're only going to have 20 minutes on stage and you've only got three main headings that you can talk about, every single subject matter expert could tell me, okay, well, these are the top three things that people ask me about. Mm And so then I delve into each one and say, now let's do that three, uh, three bullet point thing again. So let's go into the subheadings. You know, for me, for example, the most common thing people ask me about is how can I improve my confidence on stage and get rid of nerves? And so inside that heading, what are three uh, things that I can offer in that area? So preparation, breathing techniques and, you know, uh, letting yourself off the hook by asking to be on a panel instead of doing the talk as a keynote with one person on stage. So and I can even then go another step further and if I'm actually now wanting to create a keynote about this one topic of vanishing nerves on stage, well, I've got nine bullet points in front of me because I've got three per main heading. Yep. Now I can make another three bullet points for every one of those sub points. And now you're starting to really write and craft the skeleton of your talk. So that's one way to do it when you haven't actually been asked to speak on a particular topic because you're the expert in that area. If hmm. you have been asked to speak, then it's actually quite an easy – There's a, all, all the work can be done for you by you simply doing your – what I call client uncovery, best best, in the best possible way by saying to the client I really want to know what challenges the people in the audience are facing and two things a how do you want them to feel after my talk and b what do you want them to do after my talk
0: Mm. that's a a great question so that'll really yeah and do you find that that most you know I'm guessing that some of those people like for example the situation that you, you said at the beginning where maybe it's a a business that's inviting you in to talk to a small group of people, uh, and you ask some questions like that. Do they do they struggle to come up with a response? Or I imagine never. not. No, okay.
2: never, because they 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 were trying to create some sort of professional development for their staff mm. or their conference audience, and they've chosen you because they need a, pro- a certain problem to be solved. So they know what the problem is. And look, I, I find my work becomes so um, engaging. And, and fun and easy when I ask that client to let me interview a couple of the people who will be in the audience. And then I jump on the phone with them or even go see them or jump on Skype and I'll say, you know, what is frustrating you in in your work at the moment around this area that I, that I am um, covering and, you know, what has worked in the past, what doesn't work, what do you see other businesses working that looks great to you you know, that sort of thing. Mm. So you're really actually then tailoring your talk to those two people that you interviewed, really, but that is a, a cross-section of the entire audience. Yeah,
0: what I love about that whole sort of strategy is it, you know, it must do so much to, again, to reassure that sort of inner voice because now you're in a situation where someone's asked you to come and speak. You've asked them, okay, what is it people most want to know about how do you want them to feel Then going even further, if you want to, you can call a couple of those people and interview them. So by the time you get there, you're kind of bursting to deliver something because you know there's such a need for what you're doing.
2: That's right. And you're remembering that you are the vehicle for the message. And, you know, as I was saying before, the times when I feel that little niggle of nerves – Every single time that has happened to me, it's because I have been unprepared. Where I haven't done that uncovery, I maybe haven't spent enough time on the topic, the industry, the business, even my presentation. If I haven't spent the time on the preparation, then uh, you know I, I will feel nervous. Mm. So that, that works well. And it, it actually um, – the audience – leans in and and is there with you when you are able to refer to, with their approval, you're able to refer to. When I was chatting with Joe Bloggs, you know, in the lead up to this, session, yep. he, he mentioned to me that you're all feeling this challenge of X, Y, and Z. And really, it really feels well-tailored. The clients absolutely love that.
0: Mm, okay. So, what other, do you, I mean, I, I know that you've, you, you run detailed courses on this, and I'm not, I'm not expecting that we're going to get everything out of you in the time <laughs> that we've got, but um let's let's say that yes we've okay we've done that we've we've done some preparation we 're there what do you How then do you suggest people deliver these talks? Is it notes, is it slides is it you know do you have do you have your own feeling as to how someone who's stepping into this space should be delivering their talks?
2: Yeah, well, okay, well, let me take one tiny step back and just say if, if um, people still if if they've done a ton of preparation, they can still be. Crippled with anxiety. And people do suffer anxiety, you know, real, real clinical anxiety. And that might be the case. You you already know in that case that mindfulness and breathing works really, really well for you. And, you know, I always say, like, we can do it now, like, for wherever you are and wherever I am. Take yourself into the seat that you're sitting in. Um, how does the seat feel? What noises can you hear around you? Is the air cold or warm around you? How do your shoes feel in, on your feet? And all of a sudden, you've brought yourself back to the present. And your breathing slows down. So that breathing sort of mindfulness technique is the, the second step of getting rid of nerves. And the last one that I whenever I coach speakers who still go, I can do all that, but I still there's no way I'm gonna get up on that stage. I can't deal with it. Then I say, Ask the M C to, to ask the client if the M C can interview you or if you can just be on a panel. Hmm. And all of a sudden you've got a buffer between you and the audience. So just to cover those quick ones off. Now yeah, okay. Um, the question was about actually um, getting on stage mm. and the the method of delivery, I guess, of your presentation. Now, I mean, ha- how much have you enjoyed it, you personally, Robert, when mm. you sat in a, a conference recently and the, the speaker didn't use PowerPoint?
0: Oh, I've enjoyed it immensely.
2: It, yeah. Isn't mm. it just so refreshing? Mm. You know, so don't default to I'm going to use PowerPoint, yep. and if you do, I mean, I'm pretty sure we all know now. The cardinal sin is slides with bullet points. You mm-hmm. know, the the style of the day is beautiful full screen images that anchor the point that you're making. Yep, you shouldn't need to read off the slides, but it 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 often is a great way to um, prompt you. If you've got one of these beautiful full screen images. And then one word on the the slide, for example, that prompts you because you've already done the skeleton of your talk. Like I know, for example, if I see a beautiful full screen image of a person working diligently at a desk, you know, that might be a beautiful IKEA style image or something like that, and the word preparation, well, I could talk for 10 minutes on being well prepared for doing a talk, you know, that, that sort of things. So. If you're going to use PowerPoint, do it in that way. But okay. Then- so
0: be minimalist. And don't 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 have lots of copy on there. You might have some on your own notes that you might you know rehearse or yeah. or re- refer to, but don't bore the room with a with a slide full of text.
2: Yeah, that is Mm. a cardinal sin. And, you know, because people in the audience now just think, well, I could have read this on a piece of paper. Why are you reading it to me? And, you know, there's an incredible speaker uh, from the U.S. that I've seen a couple of times now called Deborah Jasper, and she's from Mindset Digital. And she has this fantastic technique of, you know, her slides will have, like a 40-minute keynote will have 180 slides in it, but she's flicking through them every 10 seconds uh, to anchor the points that she's making so in some cases you can have a, a completely loaded crazy number of slides but it's still like a multimedia journey that you're you've got going on behind you while you're doing your talk yeah
0: hers sounds more like it's like a, a, a sort of stop frame video than it is a, a yeah, presentation
2: exactly okay. and mike walsh did you know mike walsh i don't he's oh, he's incredible as well he um puts a lot of um moving images like video without mm-hmm. sound in his presentations he's a futurist so he he will say you know i've recently visited a robotics studio in japan and he'll tell the story while you see him walking around the robotics video in japan in, in the video so that can be really mm. uh, effective too now look
0: you're you're taking us into some uh, i'll call them slightly advanced you know you're talking there are a couple of examples of speakers who are really you know yep. crushing it as they say and doing it exceptionally well. Deborah Jasper and Mike Walsh and we'll check them out. But again, let's let's just go back to somebody maybe who's, you know, kind of starting out in this. So we're saying obviously preparation is a word you you used a great deal, and clearly I've got that message. We need to do lots of preparation. Mm-hmm. I love the notion of of speaking to the people that you're speaking to to really understand the audience we've talked about kind of slides, and if we're going to use them, let's try not to have too much kind of text in them. So let's imagine we've got those sort of things in place, and we're we're doing something how then, when you're kind of up there on your toes, how do you what sort of tips do you recommend to engage people to really ensure that our audience are kind of hanging on to our every word?
2: Yeah, so it it becomes a technique that you sort of learn as you go i feel that you become more experienced in as you do more presentations and i guess that reminds me to to say that you really should say yes to absolutely everything in the beginning and you know generate as many speaking engagements as you possibly can um you know to to build your confidence but um one of the things that you you all of a sudden realize that you're good at is reading the room and reading the energy in the room, and look, you'll you'll find, you know, say there's fifty, sixty people in the room, you'll you you can notice quite easily how many people are on their phones. Now, in my case, I like it when people are on their phones because I just assume that they're tweeting you know highlights of my talk right. <laughs> that's a, a good way to look at it but um yep. well it's again that's a good that... good
0: way to keep your confidence topped up is to yes people that. can find
2: it really distracting but yeah. um but you can notice if people are disengaged if they've opened their laptop for example you know and they weren't doing that at the beginning and mm. they start sort of you know mumbling to each other or whatever so uh, there are a couple of techniques that you can use where you can say, give an activity to the room, like, you know, turn to each other and describe the last time that you felt confident on stage, whatever your subject yeah, area okay. is. Yep. And um, and then as you're getting the room's attention back, you know, when, when you want to, you, you might say five, four, three, hmm. and okay. people are starting to, to notice that you want the attention back. Yep. Then if you talk quietly, as you talk quietly and you start to sort of, get into the next section people do stop instantly talking i'm going to miss something and they Mm. stop talking and they and the energy resets in the room but the people who had been sort of talking and disengaged and that sort of thing they look up and the energy comes back sort of for a second it's your chance now to sort of keep them interested so that's one thing about the energy Mm. but um being on stage Sorry,
0: yeah. Well, no, I was, I was just thinking, so, I was anticipating that you might have used this sort of uh, stand up comedian's approach of, of just um, <laughs> picking someone out of the audience and humiliating them hugely, but clearly <laughs> that isn't one of your strategies.
2: No, <laughs> it isn't, but yeah. um, in a passive aggressive kind of using my skills for evil and not good kind of way, mm. I, I have been <laughs> known to. Sometimes realize that you know there's a there's one person in the room who doesn't want to be there. They've been told to be there. They're not interested. There's yep. you know they're they're on a mission to not be interested in what you've got to say. So sometimes I will actually direct my entire presentation to that person on, mm. on a mission to get them back, and it, it can be a little bit painful for them, but, but I will win. And because in what you're doing is over presenting for the whole room Uh, so it is beneficial to everybody Mm. and more often than not the person has no choice but to come come into the room and um, and be with you so
0: yeah I I just (laughs) I must just say on that it it, uh, always makes me laugh when you know when I do talks well you'll sometimes get somebody in the room who's giving you a very sort of stony face all the way through and no Mm. you're not getting anything sort of visible back from them at all um, yeah. and time and again that's the person who comes up to you afterwards and says the most wonderful things but <laughs> you say, you know you couldn't read it on their face whereas you know obviously you know a, a, a tactic i love is is if you're seeing somebody smiling and often you do when you're speaking because people want you to enjoy yourself they want you to do a good job and you feel that don't you when you're on the stage and there's nothing better than looking up and looking at people smiling at you and smiling back at them um but so occasionally there's always somebody there who thinks oh my goodness they're having the worst time ever um yeah and and then happily they often don't okay so
2: yeah and they had a good time you're like could you let your face know please (laughs) (laughs) uh, yeah so so there's that but you know i i think it's important not to get stuck behind the lectern and you know as you're starting out People do feel comfortable there, and okay, yeah. that's fine. Um, but take one step to the left or right towards the, the middle of the stage and, and stay at the lectern if you must. Let your hand be on it for a security blanket, but take one step away from it. Every time you do a talk, take another step away from it because um, it, it really will make you feel much more connected with the audience and much more authentic, actually, because mm. if you stay behind the lectern, you feel like a lecturer.
0: Yes, and, very different. And,
2: yeah, you're, you're not delivering a lecture. You are the vehicle for the message that they need to hear, and you're putting some friction between you and them
0: yeah. the lecture. And tell me, where do you get your sort of speaker inspiration? You mentioned a couple of people there. Do, do, you, do you find yourself, uh, like, do you watch a lot of videos yourself? Do you watch a lot of TED Talks? I mean, how do you sort of stay at the top of your game?
2: Yeah, I do watch a lot of TED talks. I used to try and watch one every day, but now I'm kind of I'm kind of watching one a week. But I look, the conference is kind of my natural habitat. <laughs> I will attend any conference I can get to. I absolutely love events and conferences. Mm. And even when you know, so like a like a TEDx event, for example, you know, out of eight or ten speakers that they they have there, there is no way on earth you're going to love every speaker that you see. But as a speaker watching speakers even if you cannot stand the person the content the technique or anything the fact that you can't stand it is what you're learning so you know you can really question yourself why am i resisting this why don't i enjoy this is this an example of what i should not do in my presentations what are they doing that's resonating you know wrong with me Mm. that could be different so uh, as a someone who's always learning i will Take something out of even those talks. That yeah. I okay. Want.
0: So again, would you say to somebody who's thinking of getting into this space, go along to as many talks as you can, just kind of get in the zone by, by yeah. soak. Yeah. Okay. Soaking it up. Yeah. No, and
2: and even go along to the talks that speakers are doing in your area of expertise and make a note every time you sort of cringe a little bit or you raise an eyebrow or you think i would have said it this way or they missed that out start writing all of that down use one note or evernote because that's you crafting your own version of the talk
0: mm. okay and now you see i'm just going to draw us slowly to a close here but i know you mentioned um a few minutes ago that basically kind of do anything that comes up you know any talk that comes up Take it. Yep. Um, where would you suggest, though, somebody? Where would they get started? Where's Where's the kind of you know? Where's the low hanging fruit, if you like, on the to get some runs on the board?
2: Yeah, it's probably your local networking group. So for, for small business owners that go to networking events. Um, to, you know, either mix with or prospect with other um, business owners, I, I definitely think you should be going to, you know, three or four of those, looking at the program and then making a suggestion to the con- to the organiser because they're always looking for content, yep. you know. So um, there's that. The other thing you could do is if you have your own client base, which is, you know, an email address list of people who have paid your invoices, for example, nice. whether you've got a newsletter or not, you could – actually do a webinar, which is a very first speaking engagement that you could ever do, which is you sitting at your desk and your audience sitting at their desks. And, um, you know, that could be a, a good starting point for, um, you know, not not necessarily having to be on a conference agenda or a speaking program anywhere. And, uh, yeah, I guess the other thing to do is if you have other business owners that you – no friends and and colleagues and they have been speaking ask them for introductions to yeah, okay. the places where they were speaking
0: great okay so look um i've got one final question i want to ask you but let me just share with people that uh, as, I, as i mentioned at the beginning you very kindly put together a document that's, that's all about how to banish nerves if you'd like to get a copy of that Hop along to Yvonne Adele, that's A-D-E-L-E, dot forward slash Banish Nerves. So I'm going straight there after this and I'll have a good old read of that one. Um, finally, I'd, just, I'd love to know, Yvonne, all the talks that you've done over all these years, there must be one little skeleton in your wardrobe, something that didn't go well. <laughs> Come on, share it with us. Is there anything you can oh. share with us? And You're yeah, inc- inc- an eternal you optimist.
2: That is, uh, every every mistake is just another another um, example for improvement. Okay. Um, oh, uh, you should have given me some notice on this oh, one. It's, it's, that <laughs> I would, that leave them, would take I all the fun out behind. of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I think, uh, okay, okay. I was asked to do... A, a trivia night at an uh, um, at the end of a conference. Right. For, uh, I'll just oh, – I may as well say who it was because it was years ago. It was a Fujitsu conference and it was okay. all of the sales reps from all around Australia mm. and they hired out this incredible venue at the MCG where you can have dinners and conferences and stuff and they had done three days of conferencing, one more day to go and on right. this evening of the third day, they were having this big dinner and they wanted this funny – Trivia night, which I sometimes run, where I will make up all the questions based around the industry and okay. the characters inside the business and all that sort of stuff. So it's not just general sporting questions and all that. No. And, and they had had three days of conference and were so looking forward to getting the beer that <laughs> <laughs> it became almost impossible to run this you know three sets of 10 questions what? and someone at each table fill out the form and all that it was just a nightmare and oh, they had dear. paid something like eight thousand dollars for it and so you're sitting there thinking oh my god i'm not delivering on this promise at all and the client wasn't in the room Phew. so yeah that that sort of thing you just uh, i honestly actually so refused what did you do? to do did after you... dinner talks anymore okay.
0: <laughs> yeah after so dinner uh, talks I did, are funny were, ones aren't they
2: Yeah, there there were – I had a couple of physical challenges, maybe three or four physical challenges in the trivia night. So in the end, I – I went to the tables where the, the sort of characters were that I could tell. I dragged them up to the front, Ross. and I got them to just do the physical challenges. And everyone else had a good laugh, and I left at that.
0: <laughs> okay. So again, the, uh, look, it sounds like a, a deeply uncomfortable evening for you, it but was awesome. <laughs> but at least you again, you you know, you thought your your first thought from what you said was, I have to give value to this audience you know yeah. they're, they're paying me for this I've got to do it and then obviously you have the skill to kind of dance on your toes a bit and uh <laughs> and realize that what was needed was some people up on stage making fool of themselves so it sounds like you. yeah that's it. you have
2: to be a team player you know you can't be the celebrity speaker who gets up on stage delivers your talk and and mm. leaves the stage you know you you have to be part of the event team really that's yes. the number
0: yeah, yeah and look and I must say I agree with you about the uh the after dinner speaker spot that's a tricky one sure is. Uh, anyway look look uh, <laughs> Yvonne it's been great having you here thank you very much and I know this is a a major focus of yours you've got a lot of work that you're doing and a lot of people that you're helping so thank you for that and uh thank you for sharing your time with us today
2: absolutely my pleasure thank you thank you
1: And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo and your host, Robert Gerrish. We'd love to receive feedback, even a brief review for those listening via iTunes. If you're planning to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, check out our bestseller, Flying Solo, How to Go It Alone in Business. It includes everything we know about working on your own. And of course, we invite you to dive into the resources and supportive community at flyingsolo.com.au.